Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift in Wanderers of Milsonda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah, and I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja. I blog on the my blog, KeithRFoster.com. And I do a couple other things, including review horror for iHorror.com. And we're doing something a little different this week. We're recording, recording during the day, which is a super rare occurrence for us. And um, I know words less. So yeah. <laughs> I, I am not having my usual beer uh, since it is the daytime. I'm not really a daytime drinker unless it's the weekend. So this week, I am sporting some coffee. Nice. Some uh, French, French roast. I do uh, intermittent fasting, so I got a bulletproof coffee going on right now to uh, tide me over until it's time to eat. I, however, uh, so first of all, I'm live and direct from glorious Salt Lake City, Utah, which I am actually a fan of. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Salt Lake City. We are recording during the day because uh, I am here for my kids' athletics. And equipment check on Wednesday night when we well, were going to record this episode took two hours and 45 minutes. So usually that takes five minutes. But, uh, but yay, yay. So, uh, so we, we kind of audibled on the fly here. And we moved to recording it now. It is the daytime. However, I took a half day. I worked a half day in the morning. I've got a, a beer. It is a Yunta. That is U-I-N-T-A. They are a Salt Lake City brewery, one of the three or four biggest. And it's called Summer Ale. I, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody can relate to this. I know you can relate to this. There are these things that we do that we don't remember to do until we need to. So, for example, like like New York City... If, when, when you go to New York City, there's like this crazy thing where you never remember to bring an umbrella and, and it rains and then you're stuck in New York City without an umbrella and then like 15 street vendors come out and they're selling. It's, it's like they just wait for this moment. They have like stashes right. of seasonal gear and so they pop out and now they're selling you umbrellas for 10 bucks and you're like, do I buy another one of these? I got like 12 umbrellas at home, you know, so <laughs> I, I am this way with bottle cap openers. Because I never remember to bring a freaking bottle cap opener with me on the road, even though I travel a fair amount. And so I just bought my official bottle cap opener from a Salt Lake City uh, uh, gift store. It is the Bryce. So I'm in Salt Lake City, but I got a Bryce Canyon National Park little keychain thing. That's a bottle opener. It, it was a pretty decent price, and more importantly, I've been to Bryce Canyon, so it has it has a couple little bit of a double a double nostalgic thing here. One other random thing, since we're on the beer stuff in Utah, I think I may have mentioned this before, I may not have, but there there are some um, little bit slightly oddball liquor laws here, and um, I think it just you know I mean there's definitely like a you can't buy beer on Sunday. They do the state store thing, which Pennsylvania does, which makes it pretty hard to find um, alcohol. However, uh, I went to a local grocery store and they were doing a build your own six pack and uh i so i did build my own six pack this is one of them and um not a single beer in the grocery store was over five percent alcohol by volume i <clears> cannot <throat> imagine that is coincidence right because i sort of remember if i have my law correctly for utah a place that serves beer cannot have anything on draft that is greater than 4.3 percent alcohol however they can brew it in advance put it in bottles and bring it out to your table and then pour it for you so that's kind of the way around it, but I don't think grocery stores and, and common stores have a way around it. So this bad boy oh, is, you're never going to believe this, 5.0% alcohol. So that's, that's oh, what we're well, going to rock it on easy. This. Hey, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm hitting hard. I'm hitting hard, and it's afternoon, and I am off. And like you said, I'm not much of a day drinker either, with the exception of days off. Um, I really do kind of like yeah. kicking back with a beer in the afternoon on a day off, or in this case, I just work through the morning and now I'm off. Anyway... That was enjoyable. Yeah, once so, once yeah. in a while, the, the the daytime drinking does hit you. You maybe you got a friend that's like, "Hey, man, it's really hot. You want to hang out and grab a beer?" And then in, in those instances, it's like, "Yeah, why not?" And like you said, you're traveling. You know, yeah. you're you're essentially going to be on vacation, or if not on vacation, especially since you took the day. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah, dude. This is beer is, is really good, really good. The nice I thing I think of, that was one of the breweries you told me about when yes. you, when I was doing my Utah trip. I that's think right. I remember you naming that company specifically. I did. You never ventured as far north as Salt Lake City, but I'm a team player and we were coming here and I am exploring Salt Lake City. I'll get I'll get more to that with a, a particular single thought at the end of the podcast because um, I'm sure people love listening to us talk about beer. 
But the podcast is called Making Comics. So uh, so why don't we get to my first thing? Is that the Kadoja PDF is done, dot, 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 almost. Uh, the Kadoja Volume 3 PDF. So I've, I've been talking about it over the last few weeks, um, how I was just getting to the end. And so I checked it a bunch more times, like four more times. I kept on redoing the PDF. I had to slot some pages in because like a knucklehead, I did not lay out the script of my comic so that page spreads start on an even number, which I've talked about before. So I did finally fix that. I sent it off to the printer, you know, paid my deposit, I'm ready to go, and then she comes back and, and mentions that there was a mistake I made. And the mistake I made was when I was creating the title pages, I didn't use the exact same pixel size for the title pages versus the interior pages. It is the exact same dimensions. However, it's not the exact same size. So when I get it back home in a couple days, I just have to do some quick resizing. It'll be a grand total of like 30 minutes of work. But for all intents and purposes, the PDF is done. I got the three covers from Lance. I shared one on my story a couple days ago. I think I even made one a post on Kadoja. They look fantastic. I cannot wait for all three covers, right? It's the, uh, the diamond version, which looks amazing. And then the Kickstarter version, which is kind of purplish. And then the gallery edition, which is quite colorful with lots of purples and oranges. So... Pretty much done. Close enough. That's good enough for me. I'm going to call it done. It's it's good that someone caught that. Like, I don't know what that would have done in, in production of printing, like if that would have screwed something up or just because the difference in size, <laughs> it, there was no way to do it anyway. So uh, end of the day, glad somebody caught it and glad it's going to be a quick, easy fix. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, so my first thing will continue from last week where I was talking about uh, second shift number 10 cover. Um, where I had the mishaps, where I didn't have the inker that I thought I did, so started doing the inking myself. The process is done. Uh, I don't know how many hours I, I did. Uh, I don't know how many hours it took, but it did take quite a while. There were some nights where I found, and, and I think I already knew this, but I kind of forgot, that I am more productive at night. Mm. By nature, I am a night owl. Um, uh, if if left to my own devices, I will go to sleep at 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning, and I will wake up at 10 o'clock. Okay, quick follow-up there, though. But by nature, are you naughty? Always. Okay, I just want to make Always. sure. Okay, good, good. <laughs> All right, sorry, please continue. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, I finished it countless hours. I did not keep track, but there were a few nights where I was jamming. And uh, even a morning, uh, I woke up feeling very productive, you know, uh, something about the cover when you guys see it. And if you go on my Instagram page, you'll see little bits and pieces of it. And I'm going to, to post more images of it. Um, it. I mean, I will post the entire image since the book will be coming out soon. Uh, once I get word back from my colorist that he's back in production on the interiors, uh, I will start, I'll post, post the full image. But for now, I'll, I'll, I'll put some snippets. So in this in this case, you'll see all the line work on the roof that I do, and and it's a wood grain. So with those lines, I use those as kind of like my warm-up lines. So normally, um, artists they'll tend to do artists or you know pencilers, inkers, they'll do some warm-up sketches or or some warm-up uh, ink lines or whatever before they get into production. Um, I used actually the wood grain as uh, my warm-up lines because they don't need to be steady, they don't need to be precise. It's wood, it's supposed to look like, um, uh, you know, the aged lines inside of wood. So um, I was using those and one day I just caught fire in the morning and uh, banged that thing out and uh, it looks great, I think, uh, in my opinion. I think it looks really good, it's pretty strong. Um, obviously a professional inker would have done better and that's what, that was the original intention of this cover. But hey, you do what you got to do, and um, I guess I saved myself a, a couple of shekels, and uh, I think it looks good, and it's already sent over to my flatter, because it is a very busy cover. They're not busy in the sense that there's a lot of stuff in the background, and uh, when it comes to stuff like that, I'd rather give it to a flatter, because my time uh, is better spent working on other products, um, uh, you know, which I'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Nice, nice. Okay, so yeah, that that's a quick note on that too, because you know I've I've taken a couple looks at it, and you I think you mentioned Bernie Wrightson before, right? It's kind of a Wrightson esque thing. It looks great, so uh, I can't wait to watch it 
progress, you know? So so kind of congrats on Thank you. reaching this signpost. More to come, right? But, uh, but yeah, man, that's really cool. You did make me think of a follow-up yeah. question. Um, something that I've wanted mm-hmm. to ask you about for a while, actually. Tell me why an artist needs warm-up sketches exactly. Because to me, that's always felt like, as a writer who can't draw at all, like marketing more than craft. You know what I mean? Like, I understand why an Olympic athlete, because, you know, Olympics are kicking right now, why the Olympic athletes need to, like, warm up and, like, start minute one, point one, you know, heat one, whatever it is, at peak physical performance. But, like, drawing is not throwing the discus, you know, fencing or running a sprint, right? So explain that to me, because it feels like a nice way to do marketing and sell cool sketches and stuff, but I'm not sure of the actual functional aspect of a warm-up sketch. Okay, so I will say, uh, one, yes, the, there was a very strong Bernie Wrightson uh, influence on the cover, and I had mentioned that last time, um, and a very strong uh, uh, Art Adams, and that's, I don't think that's something I mentioned on the air. Um, so there's yeah. a nice uh, underlighting that that is Art Adams' go-to, that is his bread and butter. If you look at Art Adams' Instagram page, I want to say 90% of the images that he draws, maybe 97% of the images he draws, is underlit. So it has this cool high forehead, upper lip sh- shadow, and it's just yeah. so badass. It's Opening just, the it's suitcase this... in Pulp Fiction kind of vibe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, what else would... would Like, he? I remember his uh, Godzilla covers. Mm. Because Godzilla's so big, right? So if Godzilla's destroying the city and there's a fire underneath he's always underlit so okay. uh anyways so, so i got uh, a little art adams going on in that okay so it's going back to the warm-up sketches i agree with you honestly um as as a penciler i don't really think you need that much warm-ups before you start your page so like if you're doing interiors um it depends what type of artist are you uh, you are so are you very sketchy are you are you kind of roughing everything out first if that's the case then you don't need warm-up drawings because you're sketching everything out everything every line you throw down it's loosening the hand it's loosening the wrist so in that sense um it's not the discus where you're using your entire body but you are using your hand and you do want to warm up like there's instances where i don't know if you've ever gone into uh you know uh, in an office setting and you just wake up and, uh, you need to write something out and your handwriting sucks. Cause it's like, I'm too early. I'm just waking up. It's kind of, it's very similar to that, if not the exact same thing. So you do need to loosen up a little bit. You need to make sure you're awake and you're throwing the best lines possible. Um, but I would say as for an inker, it is absolutely necessary to throw some lines first because of that very situation. So okay. if you're just pencil, if you're just penciling, um, I think it's mostly for show. Like you say, it's a marketing situation. Hey, here's some warm up sketches, and it's like one of the baddest sketches you've ever seen in your entire life. It's yeah. like warm up, you you fucking motherfucker. This also happens up. to be for sale in my store. This warm up, sketch. <laughs> right. you know, like yeah, oh yeah, wow, yeah. ain't that a coinky uh, dink? Yeah, yeah. Go to my go to my Etsy page. So. Um, yeah, so I would say that is a 50-50 split um, on that. So if inker, yes, penciler, uh, most of it, mostly gimmick. Okay, so. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to make an obscure pop culture reference here. And, and you might be um, a little too young for this. This might be like that difference between our ages. There was this old show. Do you remember it called The Great Space Coaster? Or have you ever heard of it? No. The Great Space Coaster. Okay, it was like a... Ses- so there were a couple Sesame Street clones in like the late 70s, right? Sesame Street is timeless. Um, there was also a thing called Zoom, and uh, and I believe it was Zoom. Yeah, yeah, I remember their stupid like male thing at the end, right? And then there was one called The Great Space Coaster, and there was like a three-piece band that did the song like The Great Space Coaster, right? Like they they do like jams, and they were wearing like rainbow suspenders. I think Saturday Night Live did a little play on that one time, but they also had characters. Okay. That were like puppets, right? And uh, so they had like Gary Gnu and some other Griddle, right? All these, all these things. I think one time Mean Joe Green was a guest star on there. So I'm giving you oh, the wow. dating, like I'm basically telling you 1978, 79 by saying that, right? But uh, 
Anyway, yeah. they, they had a character called Speed Reader, right? And Speed Reader would come in and talk about uh-huh. this book. And he would always do this. They'd do this goofy intro where he would, like, warm up his eyes by going like this, like, back and forth and then up and down. And what I'm doing is I'm actually, like, touching my eyebrows below and below, uh, above and below, and then left and right. And, like, it was just these corny, like, that's what I think of, like, oh, I'm warming up so I can speed read, <laughs> you know? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good times, good times. Okay, yeah, that's that's, so that's a great that's a great uh, a great shitty mutant power. Howard <laughs> <laughs> Rock coming to an X Men near you. Um, yeah, he just gets killed right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> murdered. I, I I remember one time back when I was like uh, nineteen, I had this idea for like you know that that was when the tick really first broke, and I had this idea for a superhero. Love the tick. Yeah, called postage. Where, like, the ability was to seal mail from any distance. And uh, same thing. I just kind of wanted him to... Is he going to be, like, one issue? <laughs> anyway, great great thoughts when you're 19. But, um, but okay, so that, that, that's cool. It, it's cool to know that, like, in some cases, warm-ups are warranted. And in some cases, maybe mm, not so much more marketing than anything. Yeah, not so much. Oh, another aspect of the character Speed Reader that could be useful is... He could just be in the X-Men's, like, library. And he just learns knowledge. Uh, a bad side effect. He has a shit memory, so it doesn't matter how much he reads. He kind of he always forgets the details, and then he kind of just ruins their missions. He has to, he has yeah exactly. He just has to reread everything in front of them, and then you get like just a minute of awkward silence while he like thumbs through a book at like flash speed, you know. So uh... <laughs> and they're like, okay, did everyone catch that? No, no, I missed that middle part. What was that again? I, uh, I don't know. I just got to reread the whole thing. Hold on one second. Son of a bitch. Okay, yeah, exactly. so this is a trade, trademark copyright Scott Loss. This is a, a character I'm going to create. It's fucked oh, up. God, please, please do. Yes, that would be amazing. That was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for for great Space Coaster reasons, you might have to, like, re-spell it, like, S-P-E-D-E or something like that. Spede totally. reader. <laughs> um, I was going to say, like, writers have a warm-up sketch, too. It's called A Cup of Coffee. Right, like that's that's basically right it, you know. Um, so yeah, in the in the artist case, it could be a hindrance to have too much coffee, because oh, then sure. your line might not be might not be as steady. You know what I mean? You might not have this nice brushing, slow sweep. Everything yeah. might be like, yeah, motherfucker, yeah, yeah, fucking metal. So like, I'm maybe be good if you're a Daniel Warren Johnson or something, and you have that chaotic style that's super yes, badass. Yeah. So that that could work. Yeah, you probably want a little less like Cornholio and a little bit more like neurosurgeon when it comes to a steady hand, right? But yeah. uh, all right, so let's let's get to my second thing. Um, this is a bit of a follow up of something that's been going on, and this is really my second substantial thing because obviously it involves a lot of work. Um, and we're going back to my novel, and um, you know, listeners of the podcast over the last two two and a half months will know that you know I'm kind of plugging through this feedback I got, and I've been doing a lot of riff writing, aka off screen writing for my lead. And uh, I finally got to put that into action. And uh, I was my workshop group. We had my workshop a few days ago, and it was the kind of redone first 20 pages of like real time information with the brand new and improved lead character. And uh, it went very, very well. Like it's only four of us just workshopping each other right now. All three other people were, were quite impressed with how I mean, I got phrases like he jumps off the page. You know, stuff like that. So, Oh, that's great, man. It, Dude, it's so good. To quote my favorite athlete, you know, it's, it's, it's the practice, right? We're, we're talking about practice here. You spend time kind of turned 180 degrees away from your novel and from the actual, like, production pages of the book that you expect to make. And you're just writing stuff that you have no expectation that it'll ever see the light of day. But as a result, that can be pretty stress- stressful, you know? Like, we only have so much time in the day, in our lives, whatever, and you're just churning away at stuff that you know has no place in the book. But the thing is, it does have a place in the book because you're learning and and you continue to learn as you go. So, yeah, man, I, ju- I just wanted to kind of report back that the first workshop was successful. It's good to see this detour I took paying off in spades. And now it's a matter of taking that character, pushing him through the first third of the novel, which is probably going to eliminate big chunks of the middle part of the novel of Act 2. So what I expect in in a three-act structure here um, is that I expect Act 2 to involve a pretty heavy rewrite, but but I need to get there first. And I'm excited for the rewrite because I've already gotten or I already have some ideas on what I can do with that uh, new and improved Act 2 as well. 
So anyway, just a, a short, again, a short conversation, but it's been a lot of my work. And, uh, and I'm pleased, and it, it looks like I'm finally kind of back, you know, back in the production of, of novel, you know, final print pages or something that's close to them. And I'm pleased with the way it's going. So maybe, maybe this draft, this fifth draft that I am on of the novel is going to be the charm or something very close to it. That's awesome, man. That sounds great. Um, you know, like we had just mentioned, to get positive feedback, to get that, to have someone tell you that your characters are jumping off the page, that has to be a tremendous feeling. Um, you feel like you're doing something right. You're, uh, you know, in your own mind, we've talked about uh, imposter syndrome and so when you hear stuff like that, it really kicks that motherfucker in the ass and go, that's right, bitch. I know what I am doing. Exactly. Uh, you're the one that doesn't know. So, exactly. Um, exactly. So you said you have three things, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. So that was two. Okay. So I have, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I know you got something in a second here, but I have two little things. So I'll just go combine that. What were you going to say? These people do not pull punches. You know, like we've, we've become friends because we started as co-workshoppers. And when you workshop each other, you know, over the course of what's been about two plus years here, you just learn to trust each other. Mm. So, no, we're, we're all in this for each other, you know, the four of us, and we're all in it to make each other's book better. And, you know, you don't really have to get too cute with with your words. I mean, you want to obviously talk about the things you loved, you know, never, never, ever, ever when receiving, you know, giving feedback to other people. Never, ever, ever neglect on the stuff that you loved because that's so important. That's the stuff that's going to keep yes. people moving. You know what I mean? Like I can do 15 things wrong, but just please tell me I did one thing right. You know, and that was going back to that harsh feedback, harsh but necessary feedback Agreed. that I got a couple months ago. There was no coupling. It was just punches, you know, and it's like, look, dude, just just give me give me my roses once. You know, like, and and then you can punch yeah. me all I want, but I never, I never got roses with it, and that's what set me off so much, and and what made it so, um, you know, harsh. So, uh, so yeah. Anyway, you know, these again, these are people I trust, and these are people that are saying how much they like it, and of course, I had some constructive feedback as well that I will incorporate. I agree with you. Usually, when I give feedback um, in anything, I always like to give the positive stuff up front. Just so they, they can relax and realize, hey, everything I'm doing isn't wrong. Am I throwing my life away? Um, because when you are punching someone in the stomach constantly with the negative things that they're doing, it, you, re you really question what you're doing with your time. Yeah. So, you know, if anyone out there is giving feedback, if you are creative and someone's asking you for your opinion, make sure you're telling them what they're doing right. Um, I prefer to do it up front, like I said. And uh, I think it helps uh, ease the stuff that they need to work on yep. because they have this good they have this good feeling in their heart that, hey, I did that stuff good. He likes that that thing that I did. And I like that, too. Oh, OK. I need to work on that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, just something to something to think about. Yep. Uh, I, I've heard it referred to as the sandwich method of giving feedback. Also, uh, I don't know if if, if uh, Mike Perkins uh, gave it Mike a Perkins. a version of uh, his own or he co-opted from someone because he calls it the shit sandwich method. You put the shit in the middle. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so again, <laughs> that's funny. Super important. Start it. Start it with praise. End it with praise. Everybody's doing something well, you know, and, and again, just don't don't be afraid to, to call that out because it's it's the stuff that's going to keep people going and make them really motivated to go back and work on the stuff that that needs some work. Right on. OK, so I really only have two other things and I'm going to stick them together. Um, that way we can end off your your third one there. Um, so I I'm back on toy production. I am, uh, you know, my client has given me two or three things I need to draw. So I'm back in production with that. One of them's halfway done. Um, and it'll be it'll be relatively quick. I got a lot of the notes that needed to be adjusted. So it's at the home stretch. So that'll be done uh, probably by the end of the day, more than likely. And um, I started a new commission. So unfortunately, I still haven't heard back uh, regarding the Mermaid Commission. I don't know what's going on with that. But I'm okay with it being on pause because I'm able to tackle all of these smaller projects in a much quicker manner. And so I started a new one. It's a book cover. It's a noir book. And uh, I already did a couple of layouts. And so I'm going to send them over to that commissioner's way. And uh, hopefully he digs one of them. And then we can start moving forward with that. So uh, pretty quick, uh, you know, more, more toy work and uh, more commission work. So it's been keeping me busy and balancing all the other stuff that life has to throw at you. I hear you, man. 
So, okay, so I do have a quick follow-up. I, I actually, more of like a kind of postscript to the toy thing. Because I think you shared that on not just your story, but on like Instagram, correct? Your uh, the to- your your trip to the toy place to sign your, your oh yeah your multiple color variants of of Scott Lost the representation. That's a lot of fucking toys, man. It was stacks and yeah. stacks and stacks of toys, and I was like, oh my god! The one final like props and congratulations. I think that stuff's so cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I was definitely there for a couple of hours signing. Uh, we had a nice uh, uh, conveyor belt version of getting it done. So, yeah, that was cool. It's it's really fun uh, side work that I get to do, and I still have plenty of time to work on my comics. Yeah, man. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So why don't I wrap up the stuff we did this week with just mentioning a small thing. And and the small thing, it's like small, but it's 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 quite interesting to me, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy with it in a strange way. For those of you in Southern California, as in San Diego, there is a very cool record swap meet out there that happens once a year. It's called the San Diego Metal Swap Meet. Oh. And I was kind of toying back and forth because I, I know the guy who runs it, Brian Parker. He is a cool dude. I interviewed him for my previous podcast, The Vinyl Exam, when we were talking about this. And uh, something that's, you know, I've been, I've attended the swap meet twice, and he had vendor tables open. And I uh, kind of went back and forth. You know, I used my wife as a sounding board on this stuff. I said, hey, what do you think of Kadoja at the metal swap meet? You know, and uh, and so I think I've mentioned before that I also have done a metal side project called Casket Master, which is a four track EP that I plan on releasing on cassette. And I was like, you know, Kadoja, cassette, death metal, you know, like it feels like there's a place there. I mean, Kadoja is very death metal. If I haven't mentioned it before, I like including this nugget that uh, that very, very astute death metal fans will know that with the exception of the first kaiju, every kaiju in Kadoja is named after a death metal band. So that is the inspiration. Oh, shit. Be- yeah. Right. Behind, and they're obscure names. I really just went for names that sounded cool more than bands that I adore, you know, but uh, but there is some intersection there. And I just wanted names that sounded cool as hell and death metal as hell. Yeah, there. Uh, uh, Mike Norton, he did this book called Battle Pug. And it's essentially uh, Conan writing a giant pug. That's okay. that's what the book is. Okay. And uh, he used to go to dog conventions and sell those at dog conventions. He would sell out because people that had pugs love pug-related shit. Yeah. So I think that's a great idea for you to take a trip down to uh, San Diego and do that for sure. And then you're going to be one of the few people there that are shilling books. So yeah. you'll kind of have the market cornered on that. So I think it's a fantastic idea. I hope so. I also have a print that we are unveiling, that I am going to unveil at this show. And I'm not even going to talk about it right now. I'm going to unveil it, and then I'll post it in a couple months when the when the convention happens. But, like, I'm excited for it. I may have told you about it offline, but uh, we can always talk offline about it. But I want, like, I want the Metal Swap Meet to be the world premiere of these prints that I've already printed up. So, All right on. very cool. And, uh, and again, I'm super excited because, you know, I love death metal. And it's cool to be part of this. I obviously hope that, uh, that the table is, like, financially worthwhile from a Kadoja standpoint. But it's a giant monster comic. Lots of giant monster fans intersect with death metal. I have a logical death metal intersection because I've also made some. And, uh, and here's hoping. So, yeah, man, super excited about that. I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah, the, uh, act, speaking of uh, conventions or um, shows that are not conventions, not comic conventions specifically, uh, the Accidental Aliens, my art studio, they were at the North Park Book Fair uh, on the 17th of July. And I couldn't make it. I had uh, previous obligations. And, man, they cleaned up. Like, you know, they reported back like, hey, this is what we did. And I was like, holy shit, like you guys did great. I didn't know what it would be like. And uh, uh, they sold a lot of my books. So I got a nice little uh, chunk of change for not even being there. So that was that was super cool, man. That's like uh, the pays to have product. So, dude, um, yes, that's the best. And that's actually, you know, that's that's a fun creator thing. That goes back to something I remember hearing from Dave Sim, who we've mentioned before on this podcast. Uh, just keep making stuff. Keep making stuff, right? And he talks about this somewhere. Again, it may have been in that comic I have that's super rare. It may have been in an interview. But he just talks about, like, keep making things. Because, you know, at some point, if someone gets into your stuff, I mean, he's like with Cerebus. You know, I might have people that, that learn to like Cere- Cerebus at issue 270. Well, guess what? 
they've got 10, 11 trade paperbacks of 25 issues each that they can catch up on now. And some of them are going to want to do that because they love it. You know, so the most important thing, keep cranking product out, keep making it. You know, do your best to be productive and do your best to have people start that up. You know, I think I mentioned uh, last podcast or maybe two ago that I was pleased pleased to see Diamond Orders come in for Kadoja Volume 1 and 2, even with Kadoja Volume 3 just being listed. So that means people are starting from scratch. It's exciting. But uh, if there's no three volumes of it, well, then people can't order three volumes, can they? Right. Exactly right. And and obviously, we all work at our own schedules, and it's taken years because of the nature of just putting this stuff together to get there with Kadoja. But we're finally here. You know, you're finally at 10-plus issues for Second Shift, and it just keeps building. And somebody – you know, we're hoping that somebody somewhere – obviously, that the longtime fans continue to rock with us, but also that uh, some new fans come on and they're like, oh, I really like this. Let me just catch up on, on – all the key continuity yeah happens all the time and it's a it's a great thing like even with um uh, it's so funny because i just recently started listening to wtf with mark Marin. yeah and that is a super old ass podcast like i actually didn't like his interviewing style before everyone told me about him they're like you gotta listen to this guy mm-hmm. and i was like this guy's really whiny and all he's always He's always trying to work through his issues on the show, no matter who he's interviewing. Yeah. And then uh, you you get to know him. And, and like, I started listening to his, like, stand-up and stuff like that. So I actually appreciate Mark Marin now. And I have years and years of podcasts that I can go back and listen to now. Totally. And you, you guys out there, you have 37 to 39 episodes of this podcast to listen to if you're just finding it. So, yeah, uh, yeah yes. Yeah, and we just, got a, we just got a cool note that I shared with you yesterday, actually, that... Uh, that someone had just found us and is now skipping around based on the topics they like. You know, we are seeing that in the stats, so it's always exciting to see people hopping on and, and checking it out and going for what they go for. So, uh, so yeah, man, we appreciate that. We appreciate all the longtime listeners and the new listeners, man. Yeah, and if you guys are just finding us, feel free to, you know, we do love those notes. Absolutely. When Keith shared that with me, I was like, man, that's pretty badass. Um, feel free to leave that same note in a review. Because that will help us. The more star ratings and uh, reviews we get, the more uh, accessible the podcast will be to other people. Exactly. I mean, we are now the number one search. If people just do the phrase making comics, we're going to come up first. And I'm really excited for that. But, uh, you know, let's let's see how, how much further we can go as well. So uh, so you had an ish, a topic that you wanted to talk about this week. And I'm going to get you I'm going to let you lead while I go ahead and fill up my water here. Okay, so something I wanted to bring up the other week, and we figured this would actually be good to talk about on more of a lengthy basis, is finding the fun in boring pages. So whether it be writing or drawing, so if you're an artist, an example of a boring page uh, might be a talking heads page. So it's just two characters or multiple characters going back and forth and talking. Um, How can you make that interesting for your reader? And how can that? How can you make that interesting for you as the artist? So, uh, on the art front, what what's something that I like to do when it comes to these talking head pages is moving the camera around not only to different angles of the character speaking, but also moving the moving the camera around to different parts of the location. So they're not, like if if they're in an interesting place, why not like like for for an in, for instance. Uh, I think it's second shift three. Um, Anne is in her professor's office. And they're talking back and forth. And instead of just focusing on both of their faces uh, when they're speaking, I actually uh, take little snips of of the office. Like what's on the bookshelf? Um, there is a shot where um, there's an aquarium in the... A fish tank aquarium is too too big. Uh, there's a fish tank in the professor's office. Yes, he he, he works at SeaWorld. He's so, yeah, exactly. There's just a fucking whale. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's just a close up of the whale's uh, anus, and um, <laughs> which is which is really putting the fun in something too. <laughs> so. Right, absolutely. That's where a lot of people put their fun. <laughs> so I actually do an angle where it's a shot through the fish tank. So it's, uh, uh, you know, in the foreground, you see the fish and the coral, whatever, whatever's in the bottom there, a little, little uh, um, submarine guy. And, uh, and then you see the characters in the background talking, having the conversation. Um, I have another shot where the professor's washing his hands. So the shot is an upshot from the point of view of the sink, 
you're inside the sink and you're looking up through the water hit, coming down on you and you see kind of like a warped perspective of his hands and a like undershot of his chin. So you you can choose to tackle pages, uh, you know, in different angles, much interesting angles than you would um, uh, normally. So, I mean, but then there's also times where you have deadlines, right? So I get it. You know, it's it's no no slight on any artist that you see, and they do have just it's just heads heads talking. Sometimes you got to hit that deadline, but if you do have the time, try to think of these pages uh, in different ways and how you can make them interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I have a couple thoughts on that, which was interesting because as I was stepping away to just refill my water here. I was thinking of my thought, which, you know, before you said it, I was thinking like, yeah, move, moving the camera around is the number one thing. And um, and then uh, I was thinking of something Lance Pilgrim was talking about recently, which is, and, and this is very, I think, I hope this is helpful to the artists out there, which is Lance said, when I want to look, when I'm looking up whether I want to work with an artist, I don't look at their best work. I, I look at all their work because I want to see what they do I want to look at their mediocre pages or their pages that are just not that interesting, you know, and um, that's really where people separate themselves by making. I mean, dude, drawing a middle of a kick ass fight is wonderful. Right. But to Scott's point, how do you draw people talking? What do you do there? Because lots of comic books are people talking. You know, we've we've mentioned this, I, I think, a little bit before. No comic is all action, despite what somebody will say when they have a few beers in them at the bar. Nobody wants a comic that's all action. If, if, if people liked stuff that was all action, you'd see more of it. There isn't any of it, you know? So just remember that you're going to need your quiet moments in a book too. And those moments are generally going to be plentiful somewhere around half the pages unless, you know, you kind of have a multi-comic story and guess what? We're in the payoff issue where it's just all fighting. And that happens. Scott just did one, right? It's cool. That kind of stuff is necessary at some point. But in general, what you're going to need is you're going to need to tackle these boring pages. And when you were talking about it, Scott, what I'll do when this podcast airs, I just made a note to myself, is one of the things that really sold me on Rory Smith, or, or we had already begun working together, but he came back with a page of people talking, and he just moved the camera around in a couple really interesting places. And I was like, yeah, man, this guy's the man. You know, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to find that page. I know exactly which one it is. It's in volume one, issue one, I think somewhere. And I'm just going to take a screenshot of it and I'll share it on my Instagram. So, uh, so in my story. So when this comes out, I'll have an example that I that really, really just triple sold me on Rory, who we were already working with. And I was like, yeah, man, we're in good hands. Yeah, I'll do the same. Um, I have a couple of pages. I'll, I'll... I'll post up that page that I just talked about. Um, I believe it's from issue three. It could be from issue four. It, it, it was quite a while ago. But um, I, I know exactly which one. And I'll, I'll maybe post some other images of different angles. S something that you guys need to think about, too, is it's super rare when someone is just sitting there doing nothing else besides talking. You know, it's like you probably do that if you're catching up with someone from a long time ago. Or, you know, someone you see very sporadically. You probably will just sit there and do nothing else. But if you guys live together, if these characters live together, um, they know each other well enough, they're probably going to be doing something else. So that's that's a, something I have a tendency to do in those quiet pages. So they're not, and not everyone's just sitting around um, doing nothing. Because if you're at home, especially, like a lot of my quiet places uh, pages, they take place at their the character's apartment. So... They live there. They got shit to do. Like, you can't just be, you know, on the TV. One guy could be on the TV. That could, that could be that guy's thing. But someone else is probably going to be washing dishes or, or, or something along those lines. So, so think about that when you're constructing these quiet pages, these talking head pages. When, when an artist comes back with a page where they're moving the camera around and, and you're making people sitting around talking interesting, that's really all you can ask. You know, um, I do think, you know, there's, there's a certain old school charm to having a page full of nothing but talking heads. But don't get carried away with that. I mean, the masters can do it. I'm sure Lee and Kirby did it back in the day. I believe Alan Moore relied on that convention a bunch and maybe Watchmen, if I remember right. There is some stuff where people are just talking. But boy, 
you know, first of all, it doesn't happen much. Second of all, your dialogue better be world class there to make people want to sit through a whole bunch of talking head pages. So as something to break it up, sure. You know, and I'm talking specifically about disembodied talking heads here. I'm not talking about people sitting around chatting. All I can do is echo what you say and and basically corroborate it and say that as a writer, that is exactly what I look for when I am looking for artists to work with. And I also want to mention, I'm pretty sure that has a heavy role in the infamous How to Draw Comics, the Marvel Way book. They talk about perspective and camera. Maybe they don't call out camera a lot, but they definitely call about call out perspective and vanishing points and things like that in that book as well. So, I mean, you're in good hands if you're moving the camera around. You're doing something right. There's a um, an artist online. He's very vocal. He's, he's one of my guys. I'll, I'll tell you who he is offline, but I'm sure you, people can figure it out. But uh, he is uh, one of those guys that loves everything old. He does not like any of the modern stuff even though he was one of my influences, uh, not influences, but he was one of the artists that were uh, around when I was in my um, infancy of, of uh, creating comics. And uh, he's still around to this day. But he hates that artists or people refer to uh, shots as camera angles. Like, oh, I hate when you guys say you move the camera around. It's like, okay, asshole, what are we supposed to call it then? Like... Like, let's dumb it down for the audience to double your dollar. Just, yeah. Jay-Z. Uh, you know, if you move <laughs> it around, it, it's like a camera. It's like, yeah, we know we're not making movies. But when you say it, everyone knows what the hell you're talking about. That That's all it is. It's just a shorthand to get you where you need to go. So, sorry. I think that's a ridiculous pet peeve to have, personally. But sure, whatever. This person's probably successful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's a grumpy old curmudgeon, and, and I love him, and his work's awesome. That's um, another. Okay, so from an artist's perspective, um, getting a script that actually has direction for these talking head pages. This is something Ed actually does really well. Um, one of the books was, uh, you know, interior, interior scene, apartment, Eddie's eating a burrito. So he directs that the character is eating a burrito and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sarah's doing this and is doing this. So he's giving me clues as to what he wants, or I mean, specific directions where he, what he wants the characters to be doing in the scene. And that helps your artist out. So um, for the writers out there, I do suggest giving your, your artist a little bit of detail as to what's going on in that scene. You know, if, if, they are in the apartment. Don't just leave them in the apartment. Give them, give them something to do. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Ed does really well. And I, I appreciate it because when I'm reading the script, it helps me visualize it. Um, and another thing I didn't mention, um, for, for you artists out there, so another trick. If there's not that much going on in that room for you to, you know, it's not you don't have a fish tank in there to hide behind and shoot the camera through. Uh, some people talk with their hands. Make sure you're not, it's not just a head speaking. Use their hands. Hands are very um, expressive. So get those hands in there, get them doing different things, and then you can get those hands at different angles as well. And that makes uh, uh, talking heads more interesting. That's right. Your boy Keith talks with his hands a whole lot. <laughs> it's something that I have very to work on. Just Quick, Quick follow up question What kind of burrito? What kind of burrito was it? I drew a California burrito because oh, it's yeah. my okay. favorite burrito. Yeah. 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 So Ed said, I think, you know what? And Ed knows that's my favorite burrito. So I'm pretty sure he specified Cali. So, um, uh, but sometimes he leaves it loose, you know? Okay. And, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure I made it a Cali. Cali burritos are a staple of our in-person podcasts for sure. For sure. That's right. For you non-San Diego people out there, a California burrito is a burrito that has French fries, carne asada, cheese, uh, and sour cream, sometimes pico de gallo, depending where you go. Um, but that's pretty much usually what's in it. And, uh, some places have guacamole, but usually you have to add that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sounds so good. All right, cool. Cool. So let me, let me just do a quick, I'm going to do a quick thing about the comic shop in Utah and then we can, we can blow things up. So I'm going to shout out. I had time to go to one, one place. It's called black cat comics. It's South of downtown Utah. It's in the sugar house section of Utah. And uh, Salt Lake City, I apologize. And uh, I got to say, man, it was basically the perfect comic experience. Because when you think of a comic experience, you think of like a couple check boxes, right? And so this shop checked all the boxes. Number one, did I find good cheap comics? I did. 
they had. In fact, there was a Fantastic Four I had in my hand for four bucks, and I found it at a lower condition, of course, in the quarter bin. So oh. I just wanted the comic. So I saved $3.75 on that exact comic, one of the few in my hand. Um, they also had dollar books because I bought my kids some dollar books. So check on the are there quality cheap comics. Yeah, 25 cent quarter bins. 25 cents, dude. Yeah, I mean, I found Let's some ROM. I found an X-Men. Um, I found a few other things oh, as wow. well. Dude, any X-Men for a quarter, I'll take that X-Men. Thank you. You know, so... Uh, yeah. So that was that was the one thing. And then another thing is, are the employees good? Are they fun to talk to? Absolutely. You know, so again, at Black Cat Comics, it was great to talk to them. Um, then kind of a, a third box that you might check is, did you find something like kind of on your more near and dear want list? And I did. Now, they don't have many expensive books there. The expensive books they tend to burn through or just sell on eBay the second they get them. So the majority of books in this place were from $2 to about 10 maybe 12 But I found, because we know I'm recollecting Secret Wars, I found Secret Wars 12 for 12 bucks, which is actually a pretty good price, and the condition looked really nice. So I was able to grab that. And uh, so I was really pleased that I found kind of like a book on my list. Oh, you know what else I found, Scott? I found every issue of Extremity by Daniel Warren Johnson that I was looking for. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. so um, that is Daniel Warren Johnson, right? I'm not getting confused. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Did you get it in the dollar bin or was it No, a that was that was regular uh, price, price, but I was happy to find it all. You know, I, I needed three through eight, ten and eleven, and they basically had three through nine. Uh, sorry, they had three through eleven. So all I did was just took them all and left number nine, you know, which I already have. So, dude, you can't get better than that. You know, when it was like the Lolo Woods where I found one and six, and those are the exact ones I needed back in Philly a few weeks ago. So yeah. um, so that was the other thing, right? It was nice to kind of fill some, some things on the want list. And then two other final things. Number one, they had a book. They had something exclusive to the store, which I thought was cool. So I saw a comic from Dynamite. It was called Gore something, you know. Um, and it was a gore book. So gore. If, if you listen, you know I love gore. And I was hesitant because I was like, well, it's 10 bucks. How good is it? You know, that kind of thing. And I happened to mention it to the person who was ringing me up. And I said, man, I like that gore, but, you know, $10 is steep. And she's like, well, you know that that gore is an exclusive cover for our store, right? And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know the artist. Like the the artist, I guess, uh, you know, knows us or something like that. And so the the cover of the store is actually uh, Ballsack the Jaws of Death uh, holding oh. up a bunch of severed heads. And it's severed heads of like the comic shop owner, his daughter, the shop employees and shit like that. Right. So oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty bonkers. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And by the way, it was 10, but it was signed by the artist, too. And he circled his own head on the cover that was decapitated on a spike. That's fun. You've got me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to be in this store yeah. again unless I come back here for some reason. But um, that was that was delightful. it's a fun memento of that time. Totally. You always look back and go. You'll never forget where you bought the comic. Exactly. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. And then the final thing that I think is kind of like the the golden thing, which I texted you about yesterday. Was getting me Savage Dragon 100. I, I got I Highlight do. of your trip. Highlight of your trip. Yes. Savage Dragon 100. I got that in a fine, fine minus condition, but uh, you said you wanted it. So I think your yeah. line was, um, I'll take any comic that's not on my list. That's one more comic than I had this morning. So I'm happy to give that to you the next time we see each other. And then the final thing was that I got, I guess, you know, you used the phrase come up, which was great. I found for $10. I, I, I half expected that thing to get pulled from my hand. And have the person go like, yeah, sorry, man, I messed this one up. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to make a stink about it. It, it. it would have been fine, but they didn't. And uh, and it went through. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to go back up. You got it on a hell of a deal. You texted me, hey, man, how how much does that book go for? And I was like, between 40 and uh, 75 bucks on average, but more. You know, you can potentially be up to 100 if you got like a 9.8, maybe, maybe more than that. So a uh, hell of a come up. And uh, good on that store for honoring the price that they put on there. Yeah. I've seen and heard of more stores going like we have the reserve we we have the right to reserve uh, uh, in a price adjustment based off of y you know whatever. I've I've seen some signs yeah. and uh, just because of the collector's market. And it's like, well, that's on you guys. You guys need to be more proactive because yeah. you have hundreds of books in here. You need to figure out where that shit is. You yeah. know, it's just like don't be fucking lazy. So I'm glad they honored that, and uh, yeah, great come up. 
Exactly. And I mean, I think, you know, look, there's a certain honor to that, too. You know, we've talked about before. I mean, at least they're getting out there and pricing their stuff. I'm happy for that. Um, it's obviously, you know, neither of us are fans of the alternate where nothing is priced and they just look stuff up at the counter. You know, that's a surefire way for me to not buy a book in your store. So um, so it was yep. it was nice to see and nice to see them honor. It was really cool. But anyway, so so that was my story. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Decibel. That is Keith posting stuff and a lot of stuff related to making comics, the more and more with every week. And then I also have at Kadoja Kaiju on Instagram, which is all things Kadoja. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can also contact both of us on uh, making comics podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can let us know that uh, we forgot something. We have, uh, I don't know, shit opinions. I don't know. Contact us, making comics podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and we love that. And, and since we're on that subject, let's reiterate what we talked about before. If you like the podcast on iTunes, on anywhere, give it a review. Give it a great review. We would love that. Um, because it, it only helps the algorithm and things like that and helps more people check this podcast out. For websites, uh, you can find you can either go to the same kadojakaiju.com and that's going to redirect you to keitharfoster.com or you can go to keitharfoster.com. I have blog posts, I have Kadoja stuff, and I have a Kadoja store. So either way, you can get to the same site. And you can find my books, Wanders of Milisanda and Second Shift, on accidentalaliens.com. Second Shift is a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night. Wanders of Milisanda, anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans. Uh, me and Keith, we do not have a Patreon. We do not expect you to give us free money. But we will gladly take your money in exchange for our comic books. And you must like comics books because you're listening to Making Comics. You'd be super weird if you didn't give a shit about comics and were listening to this podcast. I actually, I actually think that would be cool. I think there are some people out there that might just like listening to people talk craft, no matter what it is. But you probably like comics. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. But you do. But I, I have heard that um, about another podcast I listened to, uh, I Fanboy. They said that they have people contact them sometimes and say, "Hey, I, I haven't collected comics in twenty years, but I just like hearing you guys talk about comics." Yeah, yeah. Word so, up. So, why ever you're here, we're cool with it. But you probably like yeah, comics, we appreciate since it. we're on the subject. <laughs> maybe, maybe you like two minutes of beer talk and then meander about something you don't give a shit about. But you stay for the whole thing because you're a team player. You're just like, man, I can't wait for Keith to talk to Sixers for 30 seconds this episode. It's it's the highlight <laughs> yeah, yeah. of my week. But uh, It's like finding Where's Waldo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, so with that, man, uh, another podcast in the books. Uh, everybody, we will, we will see you. We will talk to you next week. And uh, we're out till then. Yeah, yeah.